So let's pray, shall we? <coughs> Father, we love what you do, we love the way that you, uh, you take our broken lives and you bit by bit put us back together again. We thank you for the family that you give us, that you place us in your church with all our uh, warts and funny ideas. And, uh, but we thank you that we do have a place that's home. And uh, we ask that you'd speak to us this morning, that you touch our hearts, and that you give us confidence to be the people that you called us to be. Thank you that we are—we're not sinners. We are your children, and we ask that you would make that really clear for us, that we can have absolute confidence standing up as your children and doing the things that you called us to do. Thank you for the teaching that we have right the way through the Bible that says that we get to join in with you with the things that you're already doing. And we ask that you'd uh, just help us uh, take a step further with that this morning. In Jesus' name. I don't know if any of you have read any of the stories about Jesus in the Bible. Anybody ever done that? There are some bits of the Bible that are a bit weird, aren't they? But uh, there are bits I don't understand. And uh, I've got to the point where I've, I've, parked, I've just parked a whole load of them. Because uh, I don't think I'm ever going to understand them, this side of seeing Jesus face to face in heaven. And probably when I see him face to face in heaven, they won't matter anyway. So uh, that's not meant to be an intellectual cop-out. I love chewing on things and uh, working them, things through. But the stories in the Bible about Jesus, we often call them the Gospels. And uh, for some of you, they may be very new. For others, you may have been reading them for decades. And I don't know if you can remember the first time you started reading about Jesus. But one of the things that I'm sure would have struck you was that Jesus healed people. And that's not really an everyday thing, is it? It's not as though it said, and Jesus went down to the bank or the supermarket. You know, it's, uh, it's not the everyday thing. Jesus healed people. So, for example, Matthew chapter 15, verse 30, a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking, the crippled were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again, and they praised the God of Israel. These were people who knew God, they knew the, the scriptures, the, what we call the Old Testament. They knew that it was possible, but they started to see the reality of it in a new way through Jesus. A vast crowd, and he healed them all. Absolutely mind-blowing. Every kind of sickness, disease, affliction, disability, whether it was physical, mental, social, spiritual, Jesus healed them all. And then when you read about the early church, you find that they did exactly the same thing. I had it ready. So when we read about the early church, is this, we are on, yes, uh, we find that they did exactly the same thing. Acts chapter 5, verse 16, we're told, crowds, once again, gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and 
all of them were healed. Exactly the same as with Jesus. And I don't know if you see the, the point that Luke is trying to make with this. He says Jesus did it, and the followers of Jesus did it. And the Bible teaches us that this is part of the normal way of following Jesus. And Jesus actually made it pretty clear what his expectations of his followers are. So uh, John chapter 14 verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth, which was Jesus' little way of saying, listen to this, it's really, really important. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus expects us to do the same things that he, he did. And that certainly includes healing. It also includes caring for the poor, loving our neighbour, loving our family, and all those things as well. But it's certainly in the mix there, a large part of what we have recorded of what Jesus did was healing people. And it says there that Jesus expects us to do even greater things than he did. I think most of us would be satisfied with doing a few of the things that Jesus did. But greater things, what does that mean? It could be greater in quantity, because there are more of us. You know, Jesus was limited to a human body, uh, just like we are. He uh, needed the Holy Spirit. That's why it says, um, I'm going to be with the Father. That's the difference. You will now receive the Holy Spirit that I've received, and you'll be able to do what I have done, because it's the same Holy Spirit in us who was in Jesus empowering him. And so there are more of us. And the idea is that we all go out and we do what Jesus did in the same way that he did it. But it could also mean a greater number of healings, a greater variety of healings. Clearly there's an expectation there in Jesus' mind of there being more. I love that. I love that about God. There is always more. There's always more of his love for us to receive. But there's also more of his gifts. We did a couple of weeks on prophecy, hearing from God, and there's more of that for us to be able to tune in and hear from him, but there's also more in the area of healing as well for each one of us. Now, I appreciate I've run through that pretty quickly. Um, one of the books that I would highly recommend on this subject is called Power Healing by a guy called John Wimber, uh, a brilliant book, and uh, he goes into the story of healing in Jesus' life in a lot more detail. He then also follows through church history and shows that there had been sections of the church who had continued to believe and practice healing right the way through. This isn't a new thing that we've suddenly discovered, but some people that you might have heard of, like um, you know, John Wesley, Martin Luther, uh, Francis of Assisi, going back a bit further, people like Tertullian, uh, there, right the way through. But the question comes, if Jesus expects me to be able to heal people, how on earth does that happen? I mean, it's all very well to say, go and heal someone. I mean, what, what do you do? How do you start? Well, if you've had the misfortune to watch Christian television, and uh, unfortunately that isn't a joke, it really, I do really do mean that, uh, you may have seen some pretty bizarre stuff on television about how people have tried to do healing. And um, 
please don't take that as your model of how to do healing. Because I think when you read through the stories about Jesus, which I encourage you to do every day, you will find a very simple, a very natural way of praying for people with, where there's no hype. And uh, in our church, we like to talk about being naturally supernatural. You don't have to be weird. I know for some of you that comes quite naturally, but you don't have to be weird. You don't have to have hype. You don't have to shout or anything like that. It just happens very naturally because it's God who does it. Uh, rather than us trying to whip something up. And um, we use a simple five-step model that helps us to get started with praying for healing. It was uh, invented by, or put together by John Wimber, uh, the author of that book, and I've found it incredibly helpful over the last 30 years or more as, as we've done this. So Ellie is going to uh, just run briefly through the five-step healing model and then we're going to do it in practice so that you can see how it works and uh, see where we go from there. Thank you. Thanks. So um, all these resources that I'm using are on the Vineyard UK and Ireland website. Um, there's PDFs and there's a fantastic video, uh, sorry, SoundCloud audio of John Wimber speaking for about an hour on this subject. And I recommend you listen to it. It's really, really interesting. So the five-step healing model, it's not a scientific formula and it's not a foolproof methodology. I wish it was. And it's not magic, but it's an intentional way of praying for others from a posture of listening to Holy Spirit that provides a track to run on, that's how John Wimber describes it, a track to run on for those of us who want to see God moving powerfully and healing as we pray. So at its essence, it's a relational, interactive way of praying with others as we listen to Holy Spirit. We draw on our intimate relationship with God as we pray. We welcome him to show us how to pray, and then he provides the power to answer those prayers. It's literally all about him. John Wimber says in his book, Power Healing, this isn't a joined up presentation, but I have got a quote from Power Healing, and he says, the five-step procedure may be used any time, in any place, in hotels, neighbours' homes, on aeroplanes, at the office, and of course, in church gatherings. I've been in casual conversation with people, even with complete strangers who mention some physical condition, and I ask, may I pray for you? Rarely do they decline healing prayer, even if they're not Christians. I then confidently pray for them by following the five-step method. So let's have a look at what it is. Um, I'm going to put a PDF on the website. You'll be able to get it. Um, and there's about five copies at the back if, you, if you're not computer literate to take away, if you want to look at it in more detail. So, first step, the interview. Introduce yourself if you're not known to the person and they don't know you. Be polite. Be welcoming. And ask the question, so where does it hurt? What would you want me to pray for? What can Jesus do for you today? Or your own? Basically, you're saying, why are you here? So, on the natural level, what can you see? You may look at somebody, they may come up on a crutch, they may have a head around their bandage, uh, bandage around their head, they may be limping. They, well, they may have a head around their bandage, I'd like to see that. They may have a swelling. 
But don't let that blinker you and blind you, because how many times have you gone up for prayer, I know I've done it, with one thing, and God's healed something completely different? So whilst it's important to look with the natural eyes, I think it's more important to look with the supernatural eyes, and that's what we go on to next. So ask God for words of knowledge, for discernment, for visions, for words. We may have a pain somewhere in our body that we jolly well know isn't ours, and that could be a clue. As we're praying for somebody, we might suddenly feel angry, or sad, or fearful. And that could also be God giving us a clue, showing us how to pray. We may get a picture, or a Bible verse that really is a key to the healing. And it's not a medical interview. Get the facts. Um, Sometimes my faith can really dip if the person who comes up for prayer has a litany of woes and just tells me all the impossible things and what the doctors have said and, and whatever. And sometimes my faith can dip hearing that. So I find a kind way of stopping people of, you know, who really want to talk about their stuff is just to say, well, let's see what God wants to do, shall we? Just gently and kindly and just move on to the next stage, which is step two, the diagnosis. Why do they have this condition? And sometimes it's really obvious, I fell over and broke my leg. But sometimes we really need, most often I'd say, we need Holy Spirit to reveal the hidden causes. So it may be a natural cause, disease, accident, etc. It could be a sin issue committed by them or against them. Sometimes the things we do, or the things that are done to us, lead to physical problems. Emotional hurts causing physical or other pain. Over the years since I've been following Jesus, I've noticed that whenever I go through a deep period of emotional healing, I have um, a pain in my lower back. It's as if all the pain sits just here. And once that particular time of emotional healing has passed, then the lower pain goes. So for me, that's become kind of a clue. If I start to feel the lower pain, I think, ah, Jesus and I need to do some work together. Relationship problems, lack of forgiveness, you know, great story from Dave, is it, this morning? Awesome. But lack of forgiveness can cause physical problems. Anger, bitterness, that can all cause physical problems. And, and the, if you look it up on the internet, there's a link uh, between something like arthritis and unforgiveness. It dries the bones and uh, there's a lot of... Um, I wouldn't want to say medical evidence. There's a lot of evidence out there about how our physical problems can be caused by either emotional or um, spiritual causes. So supernatural, maybe demonic. Could be curses, could be ancestral sins, could be rubbish that's just been inherited. We break the power of all these things in Jesus' name as Holy Spirit reveals them. And I'd really recommend to you the Finding Freedom course that we're doing in January. You know, half the time... 99% of the time, we have no idea what's come down our inheritance, our spiritual inheritance. And yes, we're new creations, and yes, we have a new inheritance, but it's really great just to spend a day going through things that might be dogging us and holding us back. So keep a lookout for that. That'll be in January. And all the time that you're there, keep asking for God's help. It's really useful to pray in tongues quietly and naturally. And like Andrew said, we don't want to get weird. We're not yelling at the prayee, and we're certainly not yelling at the devil. The authority that we have is Jesus' authority, and he does not need to shout. Like Andrew said, our aim is to be naturally supernatural. And we want to be brave. Let's not be afraid um, to be wrong or to look silly. We don't always hear clearly, and sometimes we need to try stuff out, gently and humbly, as we pray. 
you may have heard this story, I've heard um, of a lady who, she was in a meeting and she just kept getting the words cauliflower cheese, cauliflower cheese. And it wouldn't go away. And eventually she just, you know, stood up. And this was quite a long time ago, stood up and just said, oh, I just feel God saying cauliflower cheese. And, you know, immediately went bright red and was thinking, oh, we're never going to invite you back. And um, the, the beauty of the story is that there was a lady in the meeting whose son had died. And she didn't know whether or not he was with Jesus. And she'd asked God for a sign that only she would understand, that, you know, so it couldn't be a coincidence. And her son's favourite meal was cauliflower cheese. I just think that's beautiful. God knew what she needed to hear. The lady who brought it was thinking, oh my goodness, they're going to think I'm nuts. So let's be brave. That was just the proof that that lady needed that her son was safe. So ask questions if appropriate. How long have you had it? Has there been any sort of trauma? Is this in your family line? If you feel led by the Spirit. So number three is your prayer selection. So based on your diagnosis, based on Holy Spirit speaking to you, how do we pray? Always start with come Holy Spirit, whatever you're doing. Whilst he's in us and around us and everywhere all the time, it's really nice to just invite him to come and do his thing. A healing issue, lay your hands on the body, ask permission if necessary. Um, certainly maybe out on the streets you do that, I'm not sure. So keep praying in the Spirit. Now, praying in the Spirit is not to be confused with praying in tongues. Praying in tongues can be praying in the Spirit, but praying in the Spirit isn't always praying in tongues. That's my understanding from Scripture. So praying in the Spirit is basically being submitted to and anointed by Holy Spirit. Being in that place where you're open to hear from Him. You may have heard of the old thing, the unction of the Holy Spirit, and it's that kind of feeling that, you know, this isn't all me, a lot of this is God that's coming out and that's where we want to be. So it may be a command of faith. In Acts 3, 6, um, where the lame beggar is at Gate Beautiful, and Peter just says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, and he did. It may be a pronouncement of faith. So in John 4, 50, um, the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus just said, go, your child will live. And the man took Jesus at his word, which I think is quite important, and departed, and the child did live. So it may, demonic, may be demonic. So we rebuke, we break the power, we bind them, and we expel them, we cast them out, all under the unction of Holy Spirit. So step four is prayer engagement. How are we doing? Keep our eyes open. I can't stress this enough. We need to be looking out for what Holy Spirit is doing on the person. Seeing Holy Spirit on a person can really build our faith. When you see somebody in front of you and Holy Spirit's all over them and they're perhaps shaking or their eyes are fluttering or they're feeling warm or the sheen of, of um, just Spirit's presence on them, it really helps. And it gives us clues that we're doing something right, that we're praying in the Spirit, that Jesus is there doing his thing. They may feel a warmth, a tingling, a shaking. We also need to know if somebody has fallen over in the spirit and if you're standing there with your eyes shut and you hear a thud and a crack, there's a good chance that you've missed that. And the other very important one is they might get bored, turn around and walk away and you're standing there in front of the church and there's nobody in front of you. I'm sure that's happened to all of us. I know it's happened to me. So um, ask questions. Find out what God's doing. No, on a number. What was the original number of your pain? Six. Where is it now? Two. Can you do something that you couldn't do before? 
Speak to the person. We don't go all peculiar when we're praying and unable to hold a normal conversation. Do you feel peace? No. What are you feeling? What's in your head right now? That's one I like to use. What's in your head right now? Because often God gives the person clues into their thoughts, into their mind. And if I'm not asking what's going on, I'm going to have no clue unless God tells me. But I find that God actually likes to involve the person who's being prayed for. You know, I think the days of doing things to people in prayer are gone. I think Jesus really likes people to be involved in their own prayer. So, stop when they've walked off. They think it's all over. If they fall over, don't stop then. Some people use it as an excuse to move off, but I think if they're on the floor, God's really doing something, so get down with them and bless what God's doing. So the Spirit might tell us it's over. We might have run out of things to pray. And we might feel that we're actually praying really um, us prayers, that the Holy Spirit's no longer involved in what we're doing, which is possible. So you feel it's the end. They open their eyes. Sometimes you'll be in mid-prayer and they'll open their eyes and you think, oh, I think we're done here. So remove your hands. Talk to them to indicate you're stopping. Sometimes I feel I've run out of things to pray, but the person's really still engaged with Holy Spirit. So allow time for them to come round, as it were, before you begin talking. Sometimes we can walk all over people's intimate moment with Jesus by talking too soon. And also, if there are a lot of people to be prayed for and your person is engaged, just say to them, gently and quietly, just remain connected with God. I'm just going to, you know, and then just gently move off and pray for the next person. It's just a few things that I found have helped me when I'm praying. So number five... Post-prayer direction, what should they do to keep their healing? So I guess the main thing is to, um, if it's been caused by doing something that it's not recommended we do, stop doing it. Stop doing that sin thing. I mean, God can heal cirrhosis of the liver, but if we carry on drinking to excess, it's probably going to come back. This isn't rocket science. So encourage people to read their Bibles, to spend time with God. Often God gives promises from the Bible when we pray, and it's really good to keep reminding ourselves of these in the days after the healing, because often we are tested on our healing. Sometimes the physical symptoms can return, and we use our Bible verses and the promises that God's given us to fight off that attack. We encourage people to get involved or stay involved with a local church, you know, praying for each other, supporting each other. Um, it's just so powerful to know that you've got people watching your back and praying for you. So get them to check with their doctor, but never suggest that they stop taking any medication until they've been checked out by their doctor. And finally, if they're not obviously immediately healed, reassure them of God's love. It's nothing to do with, there's nothing to do, if God doesn't do it then and there, encourage them to keep asking and get in prayer, keep coming to him. And a good place for this to happen is in a connection group. So just encourage people into a small group, check if they're already in one, and if not, suggest they join one. You know, we're a family, a body, a community, and God loves to work in community. So let's do this, let's all get brave and uh, use this five-step healing model, not only in the church, but you know, let's be brave enough to do it outside. I know there are people in this church who do that already, and we hear stories of that most weeks, so that's awesome. But for those of us who haven't, let's maybe practice in here and then go out there and do it. Thank you.
Thanks, Ellie. It's good to be reminded of, of that again. Um, there's always something fresh that God, uh, God speaks each time. So, anyway, we've talked about it. Um, let's, let's do it. So, did you have any particular sense of people to pray for? Or, um... Give me pigs. <laughs> Give me pigs. <laughs> I had um, just a couple of things uh, yesterday. I didn't know if... Do I, oh, do I know? Yeah, just so big okay. um, I don't know if anyone has a pain in their this side calf. Right. Right calf. <laughs> um, I had a tight band around the head. Um, somebody who may have a problem with constant hiccups and um, a pain over the right eye. Right eye. Oh, got a hand. Calf. Okay. And that's not a cow, you're not a farm. <laughs> okay, we have a right calf. Okay, we have a right calf. Anybody else want to respond to any of those? I've also got a right calf. Right calf. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it was definitely this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Would either of you be happy to come up and uh, play for just so that everybody can see what happens? Would you? Yeah, both, both come up. Uh, Should we get someone else to pray for the other? Yeah, one? so... Um, uh, <clears throat> just looking around. Julian, would you come and pray for Jonathan here? And... Um, uh, let's think, Ed, can you come and join these guys as well? You know how to do it. And um, Carol can come. <clears throat> so these guys are just going to pray and you can watch what happens as they do it. So um, they're just going to go through starting now. <laughs> Ready, steady, go. So they're just going to start praying using the five-step healing model. And uh, I'm just going to carry on chatting over the top and at times I might stop so that we can watch what's happening. Um, so, John, I'm just going to ask you to stand facing that way. Um, so, you can see what's going on. <clears throat> so, the first thing they're going to do is the interview to find out what they already know where it hurts. Uh, they may not know the name, so you find the name. I forget names very quickly, so sometimes I have to ask a couple of times. And, um, but we, as Ellie said, we don't need to know the full medical history. We don't need to know which specialists they've been to see. We just need to know they've got a problem with the car. Sometimes it's helpful to know how long that's been there, uh, or, and that might indicate that it came from a particular thing. You know, maybe they went skiing or they fell off the bike or whatever. Okay, so when you actually so we just just do that. But we don't want to spend long on that because we want to spend most of the time being able to pray for them. And this doesn't have to take a long time, this whole thing. When we're doing this on the street, to be able to pray for people. Um, so, because they're praying for a calf, uh, they're going to lay their hands on the calf, as well as the back. Um, if, particularly if you're praying for <coughs> somebody of the opposite sex, uh, be very appropriate about where you place your hands. Shoulder is usually safe. Uh, you don't want to lay your hands on them so heavily that they, they're falling over or they feel pushed over. Uh, we don't do that. We don't push people over. 
Um, if God wants to do that for some reason, then he can do that. Um, I spoke to a, a retired brain surgeon and he said, when people fall over in the power of the Holy Spirit, there can be two different things that are going on. One is that God uses the um, fainting mechanism within the body. So it's important that they're allowed to go down on the floor. <clears throat> and they, they do completely faint. And usually when that happens, God is doing something very, very deep, very painful. And so he just knocks them out for a, a little while in order to be able to do some deep surgery for them. That's not as common. The more common thing is that people are just so filled, so overflowing with the Holy Spirit that they lose their balance and they fall over. And uh, it's as simple as that. Um, as, you, as you watch people being prayed for, sometimes you will see things, uh, you may see that they're not very peaceful. Uh, we usually encourage people being prayed for to close their eyes so they can just engage with God. Uh, when we pray for people on the street, especially if they don't know Jesus and they haven't done the church thing, they don't know that you're meant to close your eyes. And so they just, they just look you in the eye right the way through. It can be really disconcerting when you're not used to it. Um, and, uh, and you decide, how am I going to pray? Well, as we said, we invite the Holy Spirit to come. And uh, sometimes it takes people a while to receive. And so we just give a little bit of time for people to start to receive from God. And then <clears throat> we use the authority that we have all been given as followers of Jesus. Uh, to do the words and the works of Jesus. And so we command the healing to come, just as Jesus did. And so, uh, if I was praying for one of these two, I would, I would say in Jesus' name, I command them to be healed now. Command the pain to go. And if they know, you know, if it's a... We address that and we command it to do what it's meant to do, which is be healed. But really, what do you want it to do? That's, that's the, the thing that you tell it to do. Um. So as we um, <coughs> we checked in um, Mary, 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 so that's really great. So now um, we're praying now for a as well as the Great. So it's really nice when two or three are praying for somebody because the one person can be leading the prayer and then the other people can be listening to what God's saying, make it a word of knowledge, picture, you know, whatever. And that may open things up a little bit more. Or as, or as the person is being prayed for, again, as Ellie said, we take responsibility for uh, our healing. And it may be that the person being prayed for senses something in particular or has a picture of some kind. Um, but you'll notice this is very, very low-key. There's no, there's no shouting, there's no hype. Um, we're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and do what he wants to do. Because we don't generate this, we don't make it happen. We come with as much faith as we can, and sometimes that's really not very much, is it? I can remember praying for somebody on the street and uh, thinking, 
uh, I really don't know what I'm doing here today. I don't feel close to God. I know God can heal, but I'm sure he's going to use somebody else today. And it's often when I feel that way that I see the most powerful healings, because I am completely dependent on God rather than thinking, oh yeah, you know, we prayed for one of these last week, so we, you know, this is easy. Um, you may wonder, what does the anointing of God feel like when you start to pray for someone? Well, for me, usually my mind goes blank, I forget their name, uh, my tongue seems to swell up, and I forget how to speak in English, uh, which is the only language I know. And uh, so I, I just say something that comes out a bit like gibberish, and somehow God uses that. But I can remember praying for a 16-year-old boy, deaf in one ear, and uh, we were on Corn Market, he was sitting in a chair, two of us were kneeling in front of him, and it, literally it was like that. I could not think of how to pray. You know, I've taught this five-step healing model, I've used it uh, a gazillion times, and I just completely forgot how to pray, and <clears throat> God healed me. So it clearly is God, and not just become vessels for God. We take, uh, we just try and make the space for God to be able to come. <clears throat> One of the fun ones is praying for somebody with a shoulder problem. You just get them to stretch their arms out in front and see if there's any difference in, uh, in the alignment. <clears throat> and as you pray for their shoulders, you'll see one arm suddenly move out as tension is released. And very often that's what happens with people's backs as well. Somebody's got a, a bad lower back. Um, get them to sit nice and square in the chair, feet out in front, <coughs> and uh, you may find that there's any difference in the apparent difference in the But it's, it's actually just a problem with their lower back. And so as you pray for the back, you see the leg suddenly grow out, which is a fun one. Um, I was chatting to a guy called Ed yesterday. Uh, he was born with one leg four and a half centimetres shorter than the other, and so as we prayed for him uh, some years ago, God added bone into his leg. Um, for some reason, it, it got to within centimetres, so it got to three and a half centimetres, and there's still a, a centimetre left that needs healing. Why it happened that way? I don't know, but I'm just glad that God uh, healed him that amount. He's very happy about it as well. So if you look over here, he's just looking very beautiful. Sometimes you see things with your natural eye, sometimes people's eyelids flutter. Uh, Again, it's just something the Holy Spirit triggers. It's a, an automatic reaction there. Sometimes people will shake either very gently or violently. Sometimes you see, as Ali said, that sort of shine on people's face. Sometimes that is beautiful. Um, <clears throat> sometimes the, uh, the manifestation is, is more, um, uh, not exaggerated, but um, a lot stronger. And so the, the, the shaking can be very violent. And sometimes the, the particular movement of the body can indicate a particular thing. <clears throat> um, so sometimes 
uh, people will either feel swelling in their, or just tingling in their tongue or their lips, or their teeth will start to chatter. That can be an anointing for preaching or for prophecy. Uh, sometimes people, as they're being prayed for, will start to feel uh, tingling in their hands, which can then be also an indication of them being anointed for healing as well. <clears throat> so they pray for a bit, they uh, chat for a bit, maybe they'll pray again. Um, a friend of ours, I think he said he, once he stopped 12 times and prayed again afterwards. And each time we asked, how are you doing? Um, even if somebody isn't healed and we don't get it right all the time, the most important thing is that somebody goes away feeling loved. And we never say to somebody, well, if you had enough faith, you would be healed. I know I've heard some churches do that. Or we never say to somebody, uh, you are so sinful that you haven't been healed. <clears throat> I heard that one as well. I hope that's never happened to you. Um, the, the, the truth of the matter is, none of us have enough faith, all of us are too sinful, so let's get over it and let's come to Jesus who gives us what we don't deserve, and that's what grace is all about. Amen. And God loves us so much that he loves to pour out his blessing upon us. So, uh, was it Marianne? How's your calf feeling? So it feels a bit numb. So the actual pain is gone, but you're, you're not quite sure what's, what's happened. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess it sounds like progress to me. It sounds like God's done something. I remember on one occasion, uh, we were on holiday, and I had the most incredible toothache. So uh, we went along, and uh, one of the guys at church, and he prayed, and he said, God, would you just put an anaesthetic in there? And it was, it was exactly like that. It was as if I, without the prick of the, uh, the dentist, it was, much, it was the nicest dentist appointment I've ever had. And, um, and it kept me going for the holiday and then came home and I needed to get the, the tooth sorted out. So why did God do it that way? I don't know, but I was grateful. We had a nice holiday. Jonathan, how did you do in there?
Strong word. Strong word. Strong We've run over time, but I think there's a lot more that God wants to do. So uh, you know how to do it. And uh, so you have permission from Jesus uh, and from me, if you need it, to go and do the stuff. So um, I know, Teresa, you've got a problem with your shoulder, you mentioned. So somebody can come and pray for Teresa's shoulder. Um, <clears throat> anybody else like to be prayed for? Anybody got aches and pains? Yeah, Georgia, at the back there. Helen? Why don't you guys stand up if you'd like to be prayed for, and then it makes it really clear. Yeah, stand up as well. So if you'd like prayer, stand up, and then uh, class dismissed. Now go and do the practical. Uh, Go and find somebody to pray for. One person take the lead. Another couple of people gather round. If you've never seen a healing, this is a wonderful time to be able to watch what's going on. And after they've been prayed for, you can ask them, what was that like to receive? Or you can ask the people who did the praying, why did you pray that way? So we need some people to pray, please.